The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome into Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson and Logan, we have a very interesting podcast today. Uh, it's, it's our usual Wednesday pod. We're going to go back. We're going to talk about what we saw on tape when we watched the game. But uh, I actually got to watch some of the tape before we record for once, uh, which is nice. Outside of when you send me clips, which is always, which is always nice. My phone just starts blowing up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Logan's sending me film. Uh, but because the game was played on Saturday and we record on Tuesdays uh, for this Wednesday pod, uh, the extra day, NFL Game Pass actually allowed me to, to dive into some of the tape and I think some of the things we thought uh, coming out of that game may not be true, and I'm excited to talk about them, uh, and not not necessarily in a great way uh, on certain things. So I'm excited to, to get into this tape with you, see what you thought about it, and we will do, obviously, offense, defense, uh, and, and the like as we go. Also going to kind of look at it through the lens offensively of what will we do in terms of building a game plan moving forward for this team, uh, presuming Carson Wentz is at quarterback. Uh, we will also let you know a thing that is always very fun in podcast land for those of you that are uh, listening on Wednesday. We recorded this uh, morning on Tuesday. So Ron Rivera has not spoken yet to the media. Uh, he is expected by all accounts to name Carson Wentz as a starting quarterback. I'm assuming we're going to operate uh, under that premise, but Ron, as we're recording, this hasn't actually officially announced yet. Uh, and that press conference is about three hours from right now. So hopefully uh, Logan, he doesn't say anything crazy because otherwise we're going to look very silly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he says something, he says something and uh, you know, that's like you always say, like the podcast medium is a very specific thing and does not do well with that type of stuff, but we do we do well with deep analysis stuff, which is what we're going to do today. So yes, definitely. Uh, there's nothing Ron will say that will surprise us in terms of what happened on the film on Saturday. That is stuff that is done. So Logan, uh, high level thoughts as as we dive in uh, to what you saw, and and I'll give some as well. Uh, the 37 to 20 loss in San Francisco. So I guess like let's start with the offense. What do you think? Start yeah, let's offense. start. Let's start with the offense. We'll, we'll save the defense for later. 
Um, there's definitely some stuff to talk about there, but uh, I think I think the offense is what most people are interested in um, based off of how the game flow went. Right. So the San Francisco defense, I thought, came out with a very like specific plan, and it was to stop the run. Like if you look at um, pretty much every play, every snap they're in outside of the stuff that Carson Wentz was in on in that kind of two-minute end-of-half situation is they are in you know eight-man, nine-man boxes – they are plus one in the run game in all situations. They played a little bit of bear front, which is something they hadn't done. So bear, for those of, uh, you know, those people not super dyed, dyed in or dialed in on the lingo is the center's covered, both guards are covered, and it makes it really hard to get those kind of combinations you see on like duo or counter, right? Because everybody on the inside is covered up. And that's really why you're running those plays is to get those double teams on the inside. They didn't do a ton of it, but they ran more of it than they had in the last couple of weeks. So, obviously a very clear vision of what it meant to kind of stop the run and how important it was for them to stop the run. And when you look at that and when you see that kind of response from uh, from the defense, I think my, my main frustration is that if that is their response, then offensively you need to do something to get them out of that. And I think, you know, kind of just to juxtapose, like Kyle Shanahan, I think Jack in the first half did a really, really awesome job kind of getting in the Cinco package having uh, Jamin and Mayo and Reeves in the box. And they were just like, you're not going to run the football. Purdy, you're going to have to beat us. And I think he did an excellent job of that. At halftime, Kyle Shannon comes out in 13 personnel. That's three tight ends. They used Kyle Yushik as like a fullback tight end hybrid. So that could be uh, right. 22. It could be 22 or, or it could be 13. 13 however way. you want to categorize yeah. that. But you're probably going to run the ball of that. And he throws two passes out of that to start the half. Um, that was the one to Ayuk and the one to Kittle. Then you can just see Jack get a little bit, a little bit of doubt comes into his play calling, right? He says, "Okay, we got to get out of Cinco because in Cinco you're losing a coverage guy, right? You're you're bringing mm-hmm. an extra defensive lineman." And then the next play, next two plays, Kyle runs the football, right? And you're just like, you could just tell Jack was a little bit unsettled from a play calling standpoint, couldn't get in a groove because you're subverting expectations. So I look at this and I say, "All right." Well, they came out on the first drive and they were playing eight-man box. You probably could have expected that. Why did you not come out kind of trying to subvert that expectation? And it doesn't need to be crazy, but like call a play pass or call a misdirection, call some type of uh, a pass where you're moving the pocket, you're helping the O-line with protection and letting your receivers get down the field to kind of get them out of this heavy run structure. Because when they're in that heavy run structure, even if they are using safeties and nickel players, it's really hard for them to get out underneath the wide stuff you know what i'm saying get underneath a comeback or a big out or something like that so right it's really even if it's cover three right with the you know the safety in the middle of the field and the two corners deep you can get kind of those big outs because there's no flat player because they're in the box stopping the run so i look at that and i say okay well you know maybe we called some more play action pass but we didn't call a play action pass and so the 28th play of the game think about that it was the second quarter before you called a play action pass you called a, a a boot on the 25th play of the game, right? Which is a kind of like a keeper. You're moving the pocket. Taylor Heineke's rolling out. That was the completion of Jahan. Yeah. And I just say to myself, like, so either we are in a heavy run formation to run the football or we spread out to pass. And so there was no like marrying of concepts. You know what I'm saying? It's not like yes. no, no subversion of expectation. It's like we're in, we're in this, we're in 12 personnel. We're going to run duo. We're going to run counter. Okay. Now it's third and 10. We're going to get in 11 personnel. We're going to throw everybody out. We're going to try and throw the football. And I just was like, man, like that, that does not feel like a well thought out game. Interesting to compare that to what 
the 49ers offense was doing, which was obviously they were a little flummoxed by what Jack, Jack threw at him in the first half, seven points. Right. And then for them to come out in the second half and kind of say, all right, let's flip this on its head and start kind of getting into some different personnel groupings, get Jack off his game. And Jack did a pretty good job settling in after those first two drives, but basically they scored 14 points on those two drives in the second half, right? So it was right. 21. And then they got to, some bad field. Yeah, they got some yeah, bad then, field then, position then was, and, and, you know, field goal after field goal. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like six drive or sorry, seven drives in the second half of the 49ers, they scored on six of them, but like some of those started in scoring position and ended in field goals. Those are wins for the defense. Yeah, that was crazy. Cause like, I was like, you know, kind of charting it, just trying to get a feel for the game. Cause that's the thing you come out of it. And so you had a starting field position, um, of the 12 yard line, the 26 yard and the 33 yard line. And all those were field goals. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy to think about. And you had the, uh, the, um, the miss fourth down and that gave them on the 35 they started that drive so again right. to, to have all of those kind of difficult field positions uh, situations for the defense i think we're talking about that more when we're talking about the defense but overall <clears throat> i think jack called a pretty good game and did a good job of keeping the commanders in it but when you look offensively you say man there are some limitations here that are a little bit frustrating they're they're, they're frustrating to watch it's frustrating to kind of say man like you need to call a perfect game and, and again, to kind of defend the philosophy that Scott brought to this game, B-Rob wasn't running as downhill as I would have liked him in this game. I didn't feel like yeah. he understood the sense of urgency. Like, he he ran well, but against this defense, again, how fast they are, you need to get three. Like, getting three is a win, and that yeah. needed to be emphasized to him throughout this week. Right. You know? So, yeah, I, that actually leads me real quick. I'll just interject one thought here. Um that leads me to my number one takeaway from the film that I watched. Fred Warner is freaking ridiculous. He's very good. That dude was everywhere. And he it was like hole opened up. And against most teams, it's a hole. And Brian Robinson's like, hooray, let's go. And instead, Fred Warner's there. And part of that is what you're talking about with the play calling. There's just too many dudes to block. Like San Francisco's not only plus one in the run game, the one that they were able to keep free is Fred Warner, yeah. who's incredibly powerful, was able to meet Robinson in the hole and not get run over, uh, which is saying something because Robinson runs everybody over. He always falls forward. But the speed to get there and be on balance and like not try to tackle him from the side, but be able to take him head up, Robinson like kind of didn't know what to do with that. And, mm. and it's one of the first times that I've been, I, I felt like Robinson looked like a rookie. Like he looked like a guy who was coming back from something earlier in the year, mm-hmm. but he looked like a rookie a little bit in this one, just because he needed to just put his head down and bowl forward. And like, yeah, Fred Warner's in the hole, try to run him over, fall forward, get two yards. And instead he would try to dance and you know, you're not going to dance with Fred Warner. He's a better dancer. Um, he's too fast. He's too quick. And there's just so many plays in this game where, Warner's, I don't want to say single-handedly because there's like other people doing their jobs to set him up to do his, but he's so good at what he does that he, you know, if you were to like pause it and like who makes the play, it feels like he single-handedly ruined their offense. But like you said, there's a multitude of factors that lead to that, starting with the actual play calls themselves. And if you look at some of the bigger plays that Washington had in that first half uh, when they couldn't get going, and and then you know later on as the game goes, you do get some of the misdirection. You do get some of the boot. Like they they run one uh, like fake handoff pitch play, like misdirection pitch that gets them a nice oh, yeah. like six the, seven the, yard game in the first half. The truck, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so like you do stuff like that, and this is when we're talking about immediately after the game on Saturday. Like where are the jet sweeps? Where's the misdirection? Where's that stuff? 
You do that just often enough, and maybe you can get Fred Warner to lean the wrong way or to second-guess himself a little bit. Because when you come when, when you come with a as predictable game plan as they did, where it's like you, you pause the film pre-snap, and you're like, they're probably going to run it here, and San Francisco's lined up for it. There are no holes. Like, these aren't good yeah. angles for the double teams. These aren't good angles for the individual blockers. And you just go, this is not going to work. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah, and I wish there was some like kind of magic pill, but like if that's in, run defense in the NFL is, is pretty straightforward. If you're willing to allocate manpower, obviously there's this new age of thought where you get you know three really good interior players and they're able to kind of play a gap and a half and you're able to kind of be plus that way. The old school way of thought was saying, hey man, we're gonna just put more guys in the box and you can block, and that has been the prevailing like the most effective way to stop the run. And I don't care how good you are, like. You know Tennessee, they see all they they see more plus um, more eight man boxes than anybody else in the NFL. And right now, Derrick Henry has the like the least the, the least effective rushing efficiency like per block or whatever uh, in the NFL. And it's not because he's bad at football; it's because there are just more people to tackle him. There's more people to fit runs. Right. You make it a gap for everybody, right? And you out leverage the offensive line. I mean, that's that's essentially what Jack did in the first half of that game. Right. He just made sure, hey, we got one more than you and Brock Purdy, like you're going to have to beat us at some point. Like that was the whole philosophy. And it was and it was good. But at some point, like Kyle's able to kind of say, hey, you've made this kind of embattlement. You've made this wall here. Let's now. Now, happened? David Mayo, go run with George Kittle. Yeah, go run with George Kittle or um, or Derek you know, Forrest. Let, you go run with George Kittle. Let's flip the formations. Let's flip the yeah. personnel. Let's, and then you Jack is starting to think and a little bit reactive to the personnel stuff which is what you want to do as a defensive coordinator. And then all of a sudden there's some stuff that opens up. Right. And I do think, again, we'll talk about this more with the defense, but I do think missing cam curl was a huge deal, Enormous. right? Really, really big deal. And like two of the two of both of George's touchdowns, I think probably don't happen. If cam curls in the game, we'll talk about them more when we get there, but <clears throat> overall in the offense, I don't, and this isn't like the finishing thought or anything, but they did the, the 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 San Francisco game plan was very clear, and I and I also want to point out that they did some cool stuff from like a cover three rotation standpoint. So like when they did bring the jet sweep, you're doing that to kind of hopefully move the linebackers. Basically, say you have to account for this. Here's a shuffle. Here's a delay. And what they did is they would just rock and roll their safeties with the jet sweep. So the linebackers in the front, no one had to adjust. So it was just like we knew this was an issue for us. We're just going to be nice and stagnant in here and let the safeties adjust around the jet sweep action and it worked really really well and also the number the safety for them number 29 is a very good football player he was often the extra guy in the box for them um, yeah. he did an excellent job as well so yeah, he's you know, going fred, to the pro bowl for a reason yeah, fred warner's excellent he did an excellent job although he did have bad eyes on the touchdown to jahan but i i think that that in conclusion that was the thing that i found most frustrating is this they presented to you they, their game plan on the first play of the game and they confirmed it with the second play of the game. And your response was to say, we're just going to continue to run into this. And we're going to bring more people into the box. And they're going to add one more person. And we were always going to be minus one in the run game versus a front that's very good against the run anyway, irrespective of plus one. And there was no, no effort, seemingly, to get out of that. Now, to Ron's credit, you're in that game seven, nothing at halftime, right? And even after yeah. they scored the second time or third time, it's 14 to 21. So you're still in it, right? So obviously this game plan has some merit, especially with the defense playing as well as they did. But the second you make a mistake, the second you falter, the second there's an issue, 
it, it falls on its face. You know, it's interesting you mention that and bring Ron into it because up until right now, literally right now, thinking about this in this moment, um, I was fine with like the fourth down going for it, all that kind of stuff. If that's your game plan, you have to punt there. Yeah. Like the, the th this is kind of, yeah, the one that they give the ball up at the 35. Yeah. Like if you're going to play that style, you can't mix and match. And like, this is the problem is like, they decide they're going to do something and then they don't really fully commit to it. Or there, there's just like a, uh, an ounce of like, oh, well, we still want to try this. And it's like, no, you have to, you have to have a cohesive plan. You can't play super conservative. And then when it comes to fourth down in your own, you know, in your own area, you're like, by the way, you're in like green zone there. Like yeah. it's not, it, you're at, you're inside the 40 yard line. Strike zone, um, sure. Yeah. You're in that strike zone. Like you can't decide then that's the time we're going to be aggressive. If you're going to play the, we're going to live with running it, keeping it close and hope that Taylor can pull something out at the end game plan, then do it. Mm -hmm. and, and so like, I don't mind the call to go for it. I hate the play call as we've right. we discussed it at length on, on Saturday, but you know, the, the lack of cohesion and kind of the lack of detail in the strategy, I think, is a problem. And, and it goes to some of the more offensive specific stuff, too, of like how they use their personnel. Like we've talked a lot, which is not exactly uh, next level analysis, right, that they need to get Terry McLaurin the football more, mm. right? Like how do you game plan touches for him? How do you get the screens? How do you get him on a reverse? How do you get him on a jet sweep? What, whatever it is, he's got to touch the ball more because when he does, uh, good things happen. But also, like, how are you deploying your personnel otherwise? Why is Logan Thomas trying to block Nick Bosa multiple times in this game? Like, there's just certain stuff that if, if I'm thinking, you know, if we if we put it through the lens of, like, what am I, what is my offensive game plan? I would be like, we're taking seven-step drops out. We're not mm -hmm. calling anything where Logan Thomas has to block Nick Bosa. Like, it's one thing to chip, but, like, I, and I, you'd have to tell me how much of the playbook this eliminates. And I understand like tight ends have to block certain things, but like, there's yeah. just some, there's just some weeks where you're just setting yourself up to fail, like mm -hmm. quit putting guys in situations that are not good for them. And that idea would probably save you a lot of pain. And, mm -hmm. and so many times plays get blown up because guys are not, whether it's again, you know, Hey, we're not doing enough to, to loosen them up and they're in the right front for this run play. That's on a basic level, some more like, hey, we can still execute it and get a couple yards. And, you know, it's part of a larger plan. You'll live with it. But then there's kind of the next level of not setting up players to succeed, which is requiring Logan Thomas to be a lead blocker on the regular basis when he's not that good at it or block Nick Bosa uh, when he's he's not uh, that good at it or setting leaving guys one-on-one -on -one in seven-step drops against Nick Bosa. Like there's just certain situations and certain things that feel avoidable that the risk is not worth the reward, and I don't feel like they're very good at that calculation. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, to kind of just flesh out that that idea a little bit more, I do think Logan Thomas as like a fullback or like a sift blocker does, like he, he's, he's competent in that area. Like he's maybe not, you know, the best fullback of all time or whatever, but he's, like when you look at him and you say as a blocker, like what's he got? Like he flatbacks a linebacker uh, later in the game off a counter. You know, like he comes mm -hmm. around and pops some guy and he's, he's got good coil from the hips. He's not super consistent with his effort, but I think he's like, if you're going to have him do something, that's it. The one that I find a little bit frustrating is you get in 13 personnel, um, which is three tight ends, and you line them all up to the left to run duo, which is a very common thing to do because basically you kind of mess with how the defense has to gap it out. 
Um, and so at some point, someone's going to have a one-on-one usually in that with Nick Bosa, right? Like that is not good. And if you want to run duo, if you want to run something like that, like there's other ways to do it, right? You can bring them across in motion. You can do all this stuff. And I think maybe after the first play of the game, they ran, uh, San Francisco ran a little bit of a line stunt. Mm-hmm. And that's something um, Ron mentioned in the post game is like part of it was what San Francisco did. And let's, let's also like yeah. quick interjection, San Francisco's great. They, yeah. they mess up everybody's running game. However. Yeah. yeah. And so, and they didn't run it as much as I thought. I, I remember leaving the game thinking, yeah, like, you know, they did that one time and then they only ended up doing it twice, but I think it's enough to kind of put it in your head as a play caller to mm-hmm. be like, okay, now we have to account for this. So the way to account for that is just say, Hey, we're going to line these dudes up where they're supposed to be. And they'll be able to handle the movement. And the, and the process of that is pretty sound, right? They'll just, if they're going to stunt, everyone's going to wash it down. Brian Robinson's going to bounce it out. He's going to be one-on-one with the corner. That's what you want, right? When you're scheming up runs game stuff. But I, I do think that you could have kind of been intuitive about it and said they didn't, they just did it the one time. They did the first play of the game. And then they didn't do it the, until like the third quarter. So obviously that wasn't like a huge part of their game plan, but I think it was smart by D'Amico to get that called early, Coach Ryan's, yeah. because it's like it's in your head. So in that situation, you get Logan Thomas one-on-one with Nick Bosa on a play where he's got to like drive him off the ball and that stuff. And I will say like as far as grading that block, Logan does a – like that's a passing block, right? For for that situation against that player, I give that a plus. You know what I'm saying? But sure. it's not – but it's not going to actually get you yards. It's, yeah, it's not what you want to live in, to your point. You don't want that matchup all the time. And on that run specifically, I do think that Logan Thomas did a good enough job where if B-Rob just says, you know, F them picks and just hits the A-gap, you probably <laughs> get four yards. So, again, that's where B-Rob's kind of relationship to the blocker comes in because Logan Thomas does have inside hat placement on it. Now, is it bloody? Absolutely. But if B Rob just crams it in there, even if even if Bosa's on his legs, that's a three yard game because the double teams did a great job creating movement. So there, that's again where kind of like your player, your stud, your guy that you're you know your horse that you've been riding this whole season. And B Rob didn't have the best game when it came to that type of stuff. And I really think he just didn't. He's a young player, and I don't think it didn't seem to me that anybody communicated to him the type of game this was going to be. Get downhill. Three yards against this defense is an absolute win. You cannot take right. a zero. You can't take a one. And there's there was a counter later in the game, or a power, excuse me. So power is a little bit different. You're running it to a down tight end. You're kicking out with the tight end, and you're bringing the guard around. As opposed, I feel to, like they did that a lot. By the way, like I they felt did it like more they, than, they did it more than they've done, which is weird because they're not they don't like major in that run necessarily. Right, but it felt like they were pulling those guards a lot, and it did not go well. Right, like and they, so. So the, this the San Francisco's is, defense is too fast. They just ran around them. This is a perfect example. So on that run, everyone thinks you're pulling that guard to kind of run to the perimeter. You're actually pulling that guard to hit the A gap. And so, because the double team on the on the play side three technique, the guy that lines up over the play side guard gets really good movement vertically, right? And so there's a soft spot inside the pulling guard and off the double team. And for whatever reason, B Rob kept trying to kind of push it to the B gap as opposed to just cramming the A-gap, which, again, you're going to get three and a half, maybe four yards, but there is a crease there. It's not a big crease. It's probably about the size of my laptop. And, you know, B-Rob is not is a bigger guy than my laptop, obviously. But the whole idea there is that's a soft spot in the defense because you have your blocker on one side and your blocker on the other side. When you hit the crease, they're going to push that forward and you get two more extra yards. And for whatever reason, he just did not – 
he didn't do that. He did, that was not him. And if you think back to the Philly game, you think back to these games where we've been hyper, I don't want to say effective, but hyper, hyper, hyper efficient is the wrong word. Hyper effective is the correct word. He does stuff like that. He just finds the crease, crams it in there. It looks like a big rugby scrum. And all of a sudden you're like, man, that run was terrible, but it's a four yard gain. And right. that's, that's the performance they needed from him. And, you know, Scott could have helped him out like we just talked about, or the play calling could have helped him out. The philosophy could have helped him out. But I think B-Rob also, you know, who's been fantastic this year. And he didn't have a bad game, but it wasn't the right kind of game for this team, for this defense. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. And Logan, we've gone 23 minutes. We haven't talked about the quarterbacks, uh, which is pretty amazing. I feel like it's good for us. You know what I mean? It's yeah, a, I mean, like, it's good for us mentally, but also it's the right analysis of the game. Um, <laughs> the, the quarterback impact was not as significant as, say, the play calling or how they executed in the running game, uh, I think. With that said, we came out of Saturday kind of thinking Taylor Heineke had a really good first half, and then he... You know, things went sideways in the second. I'm not so sure after watching it back that that was the case. He was really good on that the the touchdown drive. I think he was pretty good on the um, the drive where they stall out in the red zone on the four straight runs. Um, obviously, has that really tremendous play to Jahan. Oh um, my gosh, that might be the that, play of the year. That was amazing. yeah, that was incredible. And it's one of those you know the the other the play a negative that I'm about to talk about um, is one where you go that's Carson makes that play um, on the first third down of the game. But the the rollout, like, let me throw on the run, escape the rush at full speed and fling the ball to Jahan at the five-yard line, that's a play Carson does not make. Uh, that that's a sack of points. That was, that was insanely good from like he Heineken. Comes off, he comes off the ball fake, and he, like, And locks, there's no time. And he, like, locks eyes with Nick Bosa. And then you can tell he sees Nick, Nick Bosa there. 
He boots out. He beats the safety who's coming on a blitz. They're both in like full speed pursuit. If he slows down even a second, it's. I mean, it was an incredible. I mean, it just that that mechanic by itself. The fact he didn't take a sack there, incredible. incredible. The fact he gets the perimeter, incredible. So you know that would have been like, wow, that's really cool. And for him yeah. to complete that ball, if he throws that ball away, it's an A plus play. Yeah. And instead, like, oh, he, he finds Jahan at the five yard line. Unfortunately, they don't punch it in. We'll get there. Um, but like the first third down of the game, they have a shot dialed up and it's there. Um, if, if Carson's in the game, that ball comes out on time, goes 60 yards in the air. Jahan's got his guy beat coming back across the field. Instead, Taylor kind of throws behind him a little bit. Jahan damn near makes an adjustment and and he should have frankly caught it anyway. Um, and it should have been a touchdown that way, but there are multiple plays I think in that first half where you just go man that could have been a little bit better or he gets away with one you know there's the third and six on the touchdown drive that's behind Jahan that uh Jahan somehow yes. bobbles off of the, yes. the Niners guy helmet uh, Niners guy's helmet uh and catches one of my favorite calls of the season by the way Kevin Harlan on the telecast hits you with a Dotson caught the ball <laughs> which is just a plus stuff um but he got away with some stuff. Um, and, and that first half, I don't think was nearly as clean or good um, from a process standpoint as, and even by the way, the touchdown. Uh, well, that was in the second half. Touchdown to Jahan in the second half, or touchdown to Terry, I beg your pardon, in the second half yeah. is one where Jahan's wide open uh, yeah, in the good. rhythm and timing crazy. of the play. And Taylor winds up scoring anyway. But, um, you know, I, I just don't think Heineke, I mean, we knew we didn't have a great day in the second half. I actually don't even think the first half was as good as we initially thought, uh, but what did you make of it? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it was like a perfect thing. So on the first play of the game, I think he's trying to get the ball to Terry. You know, you, you mentioned this on the, on the, uh, with a post game pod or whatever we're calling that, um, that like, did they take Terry away? And I think on that play, um, they definitely, they didn't roll coverage, but Taylor looks, uh, to Terry to throw the football and the safety just matches his eyes. So it ends up almost being like a bracket over Terry. And he gets to that post super late. So it's almost like Jahan wasn't expecting him to throw the football. Yeah, Jahan had I, like slowed down and stopped. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, T- Taylor was a very late in the in the play. And obviously, like, if he wants to get the ball to Terry there, he needs to be a little bit better with his eyes in terms of holding the safety in the middle of the field. Um, I actually think he did some really good stuff on third down, you know, like yeah. the next no, third down was hundred percent was poor. Like that's the one where he rolls to his right and throws the ball up and it's almost intercepted by the safety. You remember that? That was kind of a yep. crazy, whatever. Um, and then there's the next third down where he completes the ball to Terry on a third and 13 and they did a decent job. You know, there's a third and 10 where he makes the completion. That's the next third down in the series. Like he did that sequence was pretty darn good, you know, for him to kind of, um, him to kind of make those plays then the next uh the next second and eight or the next kind of big play in that drive was the the boot that we just talked about and the completion to uh to uh, Jahan right so that's that's that drive which is maybe the drive you're referring to which is like 18 plays um you, you know he makes three just amazing third down conversions and then that obviously the second and eight so that that drive was pretty good and I also think it's important to kind of note that when you're in third and 13 a lot those are low percentage opportunities for the quarterback and the fact that he was able to capitalize on those i think was pretty for sure like a a testament to him then he comes out in the start of the second half that's when they kind of started doing all that um you know the play action pass they get the ball to terry so i think overall you know outside of a couple plays here and there i think he in the first half i think was 
pretty solid. Was it the best quarterback performance of all time? No, but it was probably the best one he's had. I don't want to speak out of turn, you know, but one of the better performances he's had this year. And then that- see, I I just didn't feel like after watching it back, like I felt like it was okay. Like yeah. it wasn't bad. Like I'm not trying to tell you that it was bad or awful. Right. And mm-hmm. obviously that 17 play drive, like he's got a bunch of stuff there that's that's really good including that one play that's extremely special but i feel like a lot of people came out of that half thinking like oh that's the best half he's first half he's had in a long time like wow he played really awesome it's a shame that they and it's a shame they didn't have more points um you know we can talk about some of the the details of the play calling and all that kind of stuff as we go but um and down at the goal line etc but like there's definitely some i mean and also look you know this goes back to the play calling was he ultimately set up to succeed in a way that he could have. He could have stolen a lot of yards on on some play action if they would have called it anywhere in the first 27 plays. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's things there that contribute to this. But just from a process standpoint, I actually don't think it was quite as clean as we all thought it was watching it live. And I think that's... Uh, and the reason I mention that is I think that's going to contribute to them benching him like I think part of that is 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 it's easier for Ron and Scott to go back and be like yeah we feel like Carson could have done all that stuff too and probably some more because even on plays that he ultimately gets the result on the the third down to Jahan where it bobbles off and Jahan somehow catches it the the um touchdown to Terry in the second half like process wise, those are those are not good. Um, or execution wise, those are not good. Uh, in the case of that third down throw, where it's it's an easy throw on a slant that's really behind Dotson. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of stuff, I think, makes it easier for them to go and be like, "Look, man, like we can't live like this. We're gonna go back to Carson." Yeah, and I don't disagree with that assessment in any way. I, I mean, I think I would say, just kind of call attention to some other good stuff that he did to kind yeah. of just flush out the analysis. He did have yeah. that third and. He was a third and 14 to Curtis, where Curtis runs like a little, uh, you know, 14 or 15 yard option route, makes a nice throw there under pressure. Obviously, the touchdown for him to manipulate the defense kind of with his eyes. That was good. The third and 13 to Terry is really nice. Yeah. Like he did some, he did some good stuff. And, and so I think that, I think maybe the point of of bringing all this stuff up is to say that even though this was, this was probably the best performance he's had in a while, to your point, it's still not it's still not starting caliber quarterback good. Right. That's really, that's really well put. And and so I think that that's, that's where it is. It's like, he played really well in the first half. He, he did what you wanted him to do. He made some plays. He did the Taylor Heineke thing. You still see some of the warts there. And I think even with that, you say, man, we can be better than this. We there's, there's, cause, and this isn't his fault, but on the next, I think it was the, it was in the red zone. Jahan runs a beautiful like post corner and his, like makes the DB fall down and the ball's a little bit late. They end up taking a sack there, right? They're able to overcome it in the drive, but like that type of stuff, if, if you know, and you don't know, you don't know if Carson makes that throw because Carson early in the season under pressure wasn't great. But I think you say, man, you know, even the, the touch, the, the ball to Terry, the deep ball to Terry, um, you know, I was talking to Fred Smoot about that. Uh, it, it's a catch, but Carson puts that out there and maybe you, just walk in for a touchdown as opposed to Terry having to make this crazy acrobatic catch. There's the double move to Jahan, which Wes Schweitzer gets the holding penalty on. That man, that was killer. Little, that ball's a little bit underthrown, yeah. you know, and you say to yourself, man, like if Carson's out there, that's a touchdown walking off the field. So if you're Ron and you're Scott, I think you look at it and you say like Taylor did a good job. And, and we're just talking about the first half. We haven't even talked about the turnovers yet. Right. right. And so I think all of that in aggregate makes it easy to be like, 
I want to move on to Carson, but it's also, it's, it's Carson adds value from a physical tool standpoint, but you paid Carson, you gave up draft picks. you still don't have a quarterback for next year. You need to know where he is at. This is the perfect opportunity to do it. Um, you know, are you into the playoffs? Maybe yes, maybe no, but you're going up against a, a kind of a poor defense in the Cleveland Browns. This seems like the right opportunity to kind of get him in the starting lineup and see if he can make some plays for you. So as as well as I thought Taylor did, it still, it still wasn't good enough. Now you can talk about, is the offense supporting him? Are these throws and plays that, you know, emphasize what the offensive line's doing? I don't know. And I, I probably don't think so. I don't think so. But in terms of this offense with the person at the helm, it's probably Carson that gives you a better opportunity. So with that, what did you see from Wentz in that second half? You know, I, I liked how Wentz was under pressure. Obviously, they're in like a two-minute situation, essentially. And so it's going to look and feel a little bit easier for him. Right. Because you're getting simpler coverage structures. You're getting softer coverage. You're getting a little bit of less, less aggressive defensive front. But I really, you know, a lot of people probably don't like this. I like the little flick. I like how he's going down. He just flicks the ball to the back. I like that he's getting the ball out of his hands. I love the touchdown to Curtis. I love it. That's a ridiculous throw. They're in man coverage. They're bringing pressure. Excellent throw. Very good base. Not unsettled. Delivers the ball where it's supposed to be. You know, so in given the context of what he was doing, given the two-minute situation, all these different things, I really liked what he did. But – I, you have to kind of always put that modifier on. It's like the asterisk in baseball, you know, like it's 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 not the same as what Taylor was dealing with early in the game. It's a little bit different. So he should look better, and he did look better, and he looked great. So if I'm Ron, if I'm Scott, if I'm the team, I say that's probably – and that – because I think they want to make the switch anyway. So it's just like we saw enough from Carson. Taylor was Taylor, and he did some good things, but he also did some bad things. Let's Let's make the switch. Yeah, um, that makes sense. All right, anything else from the offense? Play, uh, and actually, let's do this because uh, the other big thing is red zone. Oh, okay. um, let's let's knock out some red zone thoughts real quick, and then we'll hit the defense because they sh- deserve to be talked about on a forty-five to hour long podcast as well. And here we are still talking about the offense thirty-five minutes in. Um, what did you make of the red zone play calling? You know, for, it, it's easy for all of us to get on Twitter and uh, and just be like. Hey, they should run the ball four straight times. Well, they did. Right. Um, I don't know that I love those four specific runs. Um, but what did you make of the red zone uh, stuff with them where they they get stuffed, obviously, on the one? They do have the nice touchdown to Jahan on another. And then Touchdown Wentz, to Terry. Uh, the touchdown to Jahan on, on the early first, yes. uh, and then the first half to and then the touchdown to Terry uh, later and in the game. So they were pretty... I mean, pretty efficient in the red zone, I guess, in a weird way for them. Um, like, what's the percentage? I think they're like 75%, which is would lead the league, if that's true. Um, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, yeah, I guess so, that, the, the one to, to Samuel from Wentz was technically red zone. It was right on the 20. So, right. I guess they go three from – they scored three touchdowns in this game. It didn't yeah. feel like it, but I guess they yeah. did. Right, so three touchdowns, and oh, wow, all of a sudden red zone looks a little bit better, but we're not right. talking about it <laughs> because uh, it's gross. Um yeah, so the 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 fourth down situation, I think I said this on the post game. I would like to see one play action pass, one something that's not bang 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 four times right down the middle of the defense. I just would like to see that. And you can, so when you go back and this is the thing because I coach high school offensive line and I have to always check myself. 
Because when I watch a play, when you watch the first play, you say, oh, this should be – the first play was was bad. The second play was really good. That's where B-Rob almost gets in. The third play is very close to being a touchdown. I think someone slips and misses their block, right? And you say to yourself, as an O-line coach, oh, if this guy just gets his hat placement, that's a touchdown. So let's call it again. And I'm sure Matt Scout probably, you know, he's way more experienced than I ever will be. But he he probably is like, yeah, do it again. We just slipped. And then Cole, then Trey Turner slips on the goal line and gives up a pressure and you can't get in. So <clears throat> I think the, the thing about running the football in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the goal line area is that everybody knows, right? They've got everybody down there. Everybody's leaning that way. Just do – you have to cast a little bit of doubt. And if you've got four downs, one of them should be a play-action pass, especially the one where you're on like the one-inch line, right? Get in a heavy formation. Make them think we're running downhill. I'm See, that's the other thing. I'm not sure they have that in their offense. I'm not sure they have that type of goal line thing in their offense. You mean the uh, same basic goal line play that everyone's been running for 30 years in the NFL where you what? fake a halfback dive and then the tight end leaks out? And how many touchdowns did you score on that in your career? Yeah, probably most of them. But um, I, So what I'll say about that is a lot of teams are dropping that traditional goal line stuff. And you say, well, why would you do that? Um, one of the reasons is because you have to allocate approximately 10 reps a week to goal line, a situation that you may not be in once the entire year. So the philosophy, the prevailing philosophy has now become, instead of let, instead of allocating, because what is that? What's 10 times uh, 18 weeks? That's 180 plays that we could be using to allocate to something else. And that might not seem significant, but in a week of practice, it becomes a big deal because you have right. to allocate that and meeting time. So they say, why don't we just run our base runs at the goal line? And a lot of teams have had a lot of success with that. If you look at this team early in the year against the Bears, for example, they score a touchdown off of kind of their normal run. Yeah. I mean, I had this conversation with Doc last week um, on their show, and he's like, why don't you just go goal line? I'm like, because if you can win five matchups instead of having to win eight, why yeah. wouldn't you? Like, if you yeah. can split the receivers out and take receivers and DBs out of it, that's less matchups you have to win at the point of attack. So right. I, I get that too. Um, but there's also play action stuff you can run off of that. Yeah, right. And so, so I think that, that again, that's kind of my thought there is yeah. you might not have that in the bag, but you should have something, a short yardage pass that you like, even a roll pass, whatever it is, something just to kind of say what is happening to the defense. Just a little bit of doubt, a little bit of uncertainty. And that, that goes a long way even on the next play, right? Because they say, all right, they just ran a pass. Are they going to pass again? And they start having those, internal dialogues with themselves so for me obviously I, I don't think they have traditional goal line personnel but i would also like to see them just get the running back in the dot so like getting pistol they have pistol get their running back right behind the quarterback and just let them run downhill right. or even run that stinking short yardage play that they always run right where they've got the half they've got b rob in the fullback position and uh gibson deep they're good at that just let him get right in behind that double team. A little bit of misdirection. Oh, is the back have the ball? Fake the pitch, hand the ball off to B. Rob, and let him cram it in there for two yards. They yeah. like that run in short yardage. It's surprising to me we didn't see it because they that anytime there's a short yardage situation, that's on deck for them. So a little right. surprised we didn't see that. And again, it just it felt like they were just they kind of came with something like, oh, let's just run this, and they didn't really think it through, and there wasn't a lot of creativity because again, in those situations where you got to have a yard. That moment of hesitation is super important. So that's what I would say. Was there anything that made you question what they were going to do? No, on any of them. You knew they were running the ball. And yeah. that makes it even harder to run yeah. the ball. On the, I'm trying to remember second or third down. I think it was third down. Because Robinson had the good carry on second down, which they got yeah, good carry on the second line. down. Third down, 
that's like an outside. Like they're trying to get the edge there, right? Yeah. Let me. Uh, I was just trying to think. It's um. Yeah, it's, something like that. It was, I don't know whether it's like it an outside kind of off, zone. It wasn't or, outside. It was yeah. like off tackle for sure, though. And I think right. I was like, ooh, you know, what's up with that? So that's an interesting, and, and it's the kind of thing where, like, okay, well, if you want to be in the gun for that, I guess I get it because you it gets you that nice head start laterally um, because you're actually trying to go laterally, but you're one inch away. Why yeah. are you going laterally one inch? Um, the other thing that has and also come the up, the fact that Gibson yeah. wasn't in on the or that Gibson was in on the fourth and one, I think is interesting too. Yeah, I, and by the way, was Gibson... I, this is something that I hope Rivera gets asked today, and apologies that we won't have this in the podcast. I feel like Gibson got hurt in this game, um, or just wasn't right, because they took him out on kickoff later. And I know he didn't have... A, he had a couple of bad returns, but it also just didn't look as explosive as he usually does. I know he's um, been having that foot issue. He's been limited in practice, according to the injury report, every week since right. like week eight or something. Um, so that could have flared up. But also, I think the kickoff thing, I think it might be related to the muff that he had. But I don't know sure. for sure. Um, sure. And that's, I guess, understandable. So it just didn't seem like he had the burst. Um, right. and you wonder when that came up. And obviously, in, from an inch away, burst is pretty important. You got to get there now. Um, but Gibson, you know, by the way, there's Fred Warner again. Like yep. Gibson sees Warner in the hole and tries to to launch, and Warner's able to to get there. But they just they just didn't get the push. They didn't get anything. And but I would I would much prefer. Uh, Robinson in that situation, or frankly, Williams in that situation, who yeah. was probably their best runner on the day. Very small sample size, but was probably their best guy statistically. Uh, also, was. real real quick thing there. This is a little bit kind of behind the veil. Short yardage in an opposing stadium is extremely challenging because you're on the silent count and everyone's going to be a little bit late. And that's another reason I wish they would have passed on one of those downs. Just because you got to give something because like you're going to be late. So usually in short yardage, you have the advantage of have owning the snap count. You know when the snap count's coming, you can go on two, you can go on a uh, cadence and a half or whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, in an opposing stadium, like you can see everyone's like looking at the ball. It just makes you a little bit delayed. It gives the defense a little bit of an advantage. And that's another reason I'd say, hey, let's throw something in there to give that offensive line any kind of edge we can. That's super interesting. That's analysis you're not getting anywhere else. That's why you listen to Take Command, uh, which is which is this here podcast. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your debt, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. All right, let's wrap up. Logan Paulson is on Craig Hoffman. Uh, by the way, you can catch me on the Hoffman Show three to six weekdays on the Team 980. Let's wrap up with the uh, with the defense. Uh, San Francisco's offense is schemed up as well as any offense in football because Kyle Shanahan is better than everyone else, um, except for maybe Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, they held up in the first half. 
and and then uh, it seemed like they they being the, the Niners really were able to take advantage of the absence of Cam Curl. What do you think Kyle saw, and, and why did things change in the second half? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the first touchdown first. Love the play designed by Kyle there. And again, like this is like the level of detail that you're talking about. So earlier in that same drive, they try to run a play that I call Zorro, which basically means the fullback and the tight end are double teaming the edge player to the safety. And so Jack's response was say, hey, big drawn Ridgeway, get your butt out there. Here, Mayo, Jamin, Reeves. And they just shoved it right in their face. There was nowhere to go. So this offense is built, their offense is built around running the football. So what Kyle does, he says, oh, well, let's get an 11, right? Let's have McCaffrey offset gun. And then let's motion Ray Ray McLeod around the back. So that does a couple of things. One, it keeps the linebackers over the guards as opposed to pressing front side. Like when the fullback moves, they're going to match right. the fullback. Because now, now McCaffrey becomes the fullback. You just correct. don't know it until the snap. Correct. And so they're a little bit behind on the block, right? It's third and 10 versus 11 personnel. Um, Jack brings a pressure that had been giving them trouble all day, kind of beating their protection rules. Kudos to Jack for actually installing that and getting that done. Really nice job because versus empty protection. They've been doing a lot of empty protection because McCaffrey's in the game. He's not a great pass protector. They bring Jamin. They force kind of that squeeze rule that um, Kayvon Thibodeau was getting versus New York Giants. And that's the first sack of the game that they had earlier in the game. They brought that same pressure on third and 10. Love the call. Uh, sec- but second and 10. For, second and uh, 10, yeah. Yeah, McCaffrey. Sorry, second and oh, 10. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, but Jamin's running out of the play because he's pressuring. Actually, Mayo does a pretty good job of beating McGlinchey with the better angle, and there's probably a hold there, which is really frustrating because they missed it. But again, the the blocking scheme, everything there, and it's when you watch it on the All-22, I mean, Mayo is this close to making the tackle, and he's getting held. So you say, like, that is the margin for error for, for coming out of that first half, 0-0, and, or, or whatever, getting them to punt there. So that's super frustrating, like, for them to have that kind of production on a play where there's probably a penalty. Then you go, I think, what's what's the next touchdown? It was... Um, well, also, I would say, uh, a quick question on that one, too. Yeah. Uh, does Reeves or Forrest, one of them, as the safety there, need to play over the top of that? Because so, they both attack kind of more at the point of attack, and then there's no one once it gets out on the backside. So Reeves was in the box on the backside. He was like, he was a box player away yeah. from the call. Right. Forrest takes kind of a bad angle, and I think he's expecting... Because what happens on the front side, so basically they take the front side receiver and they crack Bobby, who's kind of the nickel player there, Yeah. right? And then the double team, the tight end and uh, McCaffrey can work to the corner. So they've actually just outgapped you just from that alignment. So Bobby is a little bit outgapped, and I think Forrest might be expecting him to force the ball back, right? But mm. because he's been cracked, he play, Forrest plays it tight and probably should – I think he's playing it correctly – because Bobby's a little bit out of position, and then he's able right. to hit up the side. So the angle looks weird there, but I think it's because you're expecting other pieces to be in a better position there. So, yeah, it just uh, feels like you should have someone over the top to make sure that it doesn't get out-out, um, although that play developed so well that it's, that's pretty tough. Um, the other thing that's notable, I actually tweeted out the play uh, at Craig Hoffman earlier, just from a pure athleticism standpoint, watching Montez Sweat open up yeah. and sprint down the sideline, he almost catches McLeod. It is ridiculous watching that guy run. Literally the fastest player on the defense on that play he's um, one to get one, out man. there. Yeah, he's he's something else. Uh, unfortunately, not good enough uh, for that. 
second touchdown for San Francisco is not obviously until the first drive of the second half. And that's the Kittle uh, 34 yarder where he catches it on third and four and then is able to break free and, and run in. Is that the one? I thought that was the one versus where he caught it up the seam, right? He caught up the uh, seam, third and four. I think that's right. Let me double check my notes real quick. Um, or no, yeah, you might be right on that one. I think I have yeah, my, yeah, so, I have my touchdowns backwards. Yeah, that's so this. This is yeah. one of those ones where like Cam Curl being out is the deal, I think. And uh, they're so basically they're in like a cover two invert, which is what Jack likes to call kind of as a change up coverage. So they like to be their cover three, their zone wide match, which they've had to be away from a little bit more recently because uh benjamin st juice has been out so they're in like so they're they kind of go cover three they ran a little bit more quarters again this week again because i think they're a little bit banged up in the secondary they're trying to insulate that group and yeah. they run this st. Cover- juice definitely is not 100 percent. it's, it's they, pretty obvious when you watch him and they run this cover two invert right which is where the the post safety becomes the tampa two player and then the two corners kind of become the half players or the cover two players and cam usually does this he's your he's your invert guy, right? He kind of plays the post. They'll drop down. He's got a really good feel for it of how, like how deep he needs to be. And Forrest, I think he's playing the sticks. I think he's playing third and four comes tearing out of the middle of the field way faster than he needs to. And Kittle just runs right by him because they're going the opposite direction. He's running downhill. Kittle's running vertical and he just can't get back to it. And you see Benjamin St. Juice, they're playing Benjamin St. Juice and Fuller are playing the outside shoulder of the seam of the, of the vertical route outside. So there's a lot of space in the middle of the field, but I think that's how they're playing that. Right. And force is out of position. And again, that's not, obviously force makes a mistake and I think he would, he's upset about it. We're all upset about it, but that's what cam normally does for the defense. So he, right. how many reps has he had at it? How familiar, how comfortable he is. And again, that's where injuries, even when you have a good player in force filling that role, become a become an issue because how many reps has 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 he gotten at that and i don't think that many because because cam is your guy that normally does that right well and then also you know we've been pretty uh lucky with Forrest this year and that he's played so much better than anybody expected coming in that you have to to me give him that grace like he's still a young player learning and yeah. he's going against with the best you know obviously kittle's the best or you know one b behind Kelsey. Yeah. Um, Kyle is the best or one B behind, uh, behind Andy Reed. Like he's playing some masters here and he hasn't had many mistakes all year. He's going to make some, he's a young player. And in many ways, like to me, Forrest and Robinson had the same game. It's just like, Oh, oh yeah. right. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, they're right. Yeah. They're young. This is going to happen. And it just so happened to happen to both of them in the same game. Uh, and it happens against the hottest, if not, you know, one of the three best teams in football and, that's almost to be expected. And and I'm mm-hmm. not going to be mad at them for that on a large level. You can still be critical and say like, yes, they made mistakes. Yes, they need to be better. But it's within the context of this is a perfectly normal thing that happens in the course of a season and in the course of players' careers. And they will certainly be better the next time for it. Um, it just doesn't help you in this game that you lose 37 to 20. And I, I think the same is true you know, for the one that he gives up later uh, to Kittle. Like, he's playing him one-on-one, and Kittle just beats him. Like, uh, you know, he's in a... Like, it might have been a zone, but, like, he he's the guy that's there. Am I oh, thinking of the right yeah, play? So where he kind of pushes off, off a little bit. Like, Kittle just understands leverage and, and speed and, you know... Or maybe, no, maybe, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking of a play in the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't. It wasn't the the other touchdown. But it was. There's a play in the first half, and I, you know, my guess is also like Kittle and Kyle see that, and they're like, "Yeah, we if we can get this guy, like I can beat him." And Kittle can do that to most people, but like he just understands leverage, and he's way faster than you think. Uh, and and but so like he gets a, a little bit. Yeah. 
yeah, he's and, and so he gets you a little bit of space and then runs away from you. Like yeah. that's that's what makes George Kittle great. And Derek Forrest uh, gets in a pile with basically everyone else in football that can't cover George Kittle one on one because right. he's the best. Right, and on that, it was the first third down of the game you're describing. And he, yeah, Kittle just runs an in, and uh, you know they've got and here I think Percy probably is a little late to the party. So Percy's playing the post safety, forces outside leverage, trying to force him in. Kittle comes up, gives him a little bump, and you know he's sneaky strong. Forrest slips down. Percy's a little late, ends up being like a 25 yard gain. Um, the next touchdown that George has, I think you're also feeling a little bit of not having Cam on the field. And what I mean by that is. So by not having Cam on the field, you, you didn't move a lot of pieces around, but Cam is kind of this chess piece, right? He's your Tampa player. He can plan. He's your blitzer. He plays in the box. He does all this stuff. And so on the next play, I love the call by Jack, right? You're kind of, I forget if it's third and I forget it's third down or not. I can look it up. Let me look it up real quick. Craig, talk about something else. And uh, then, uh, <laughs> talking about the, oh, yeah, the okay. play, it's, it's second and nine second because and nine. it's a two play drive after the turnover on downs. Second and nine, right? So. This is really interesting because you bring a pressure here. You, you're, you're ahead of the sticks. You did a good job on first down, stopping the run. You're ahead of the sticks. You bring a fire zone. You bring a, a safety off the backside of the run. It's 39, uh, Jeremy Reeves. And Jeremy had an excellent game, by the way. I just want to say that right now. Even though this is a mistake yeah. he made, he had an excellent yeah, game. Yeah, he really did. So it's a boot. So Purdy's going to fake the run action away and then roll out the other way. And unfortunately Reeves gets a little bit too enamored with the ball fake. He has to contain the quarterback. So he needs to run at the upfield shoulder of the quarterback, keep that ball inside and probably have a sack there. Instead eyes on the ball fake Purdy gets out the ball. Everybody is playing the run away. Kittles will open by himself in the flat. And I kind of say to myself, cam probably makes that play. Okay. And that's an assumption. I don't know for sure, but if cam's blitzing there, I think he's going to be a little bit more dialed into his rules and probably make that play there. Because, again, he's had more reps at it. He knows he's got this kind of intuitive football IQ that makes him really good. Like, you know, there's more people. There's there's people that are better athletes than Cam. There's people that are more physical than Cam. But when you watch his his film consistently, he just knows what the, what the offense is trying to do. And he probably makes that play. So you get the ball to George Kittle in space. Mayo's in pursuit, expecting the ball to be forced back because you have pressure off the weak side. It's not. Everyone's late to the party. There's probably a hold on Derek Forrest as um, uh, Jennings blocks him, but they don't call it. Ends up being a touchdown. So, again, on both of those plays, I think you feel the loss of Curl. And, again, this is not an indictment of Jeremy. He played exceptionally well. I think he graded out at like a 78 on PFF. He he really did a nice job. Physical tackler, had a two excellent pass kind of coverage snaps, really did a nice job. But, obviously, this one is one that gets away from you. you know. And I think um, – that happen, like you said, those things happen in the course of game, especially with people playing new roles in the context of the defense. No doubt about it. All right, uh, that'll do for this edition of Take Command. Coming up on Friday, how do we put together a game plan for both sides of the ball to stop the Cleveland Browns, and and what are they going through as they have been eliminated from playoff contention? What kind of field do they have in that building? Uh, maybe we'll talk to a Browns insider. I guess you got to mm. subscribe. Stay tuned. Find out. Uh, that will be up Friday. Uh, always make sure you're subscribed at youtube.com slash at 1067. The fan sometimes, just sometimes, Logan, little gifts. They sometimes pop up there first. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed on the video platforms as well. I'll also post some clips at Craig Hoffman on YouTube. For Logan, I'm Craig. I'll see you all on the radio and we'll see you back here Friday on Take Command.
Thanks for watching this clip of Take Command. First, why don't you why don't you like it? It lets other people know that it was good, and then they should watch it too. And Logan, we have a new exclusive home for full episodes. We do 1067 the fans YouTube page. Go check.